If you're like me, you might have several copies of the Bible. You probably have one or two copies of the Bible in print, and you might have an electronic version of the Bible as well. But the more important issue is what you think about your Bible and how you make use of your Bible. God gives us His Word as something to cherish, read, learn, live, and declare among the nations. How are you doing with that? Stephen Davy called today's lesson the treasure of Scripture. Hans Christian Andersen wrote a rather famous story about a proud emperor who was flattered and ultimately deceived by some tailors who promised to make him the most amazing suit of clothing in all the kingdom. They convinced the king that his suit would be so special that the only people who could see it were the wise and pure in heart. People who lacked wisdom would not be able to see or appreciate this exquisite, beautiful suit of clothes. Well, the truth is, these men weren't tailors at all. They were only pretending to be working with expensive and exquisite fabric, supposedly visible only to the wise and sophisticated people in the kingdom. Well, when this invisible suit was supposedly finished— The king proudly wore it in a public parade. Of course, there was no suit at all, but the whole kingdom joined in praising the king's beautiful clothing, lest, you know, others think they were were unwise and unsophisticated. But then a little child standing there in the crowd was heard to say, Mommy, the emperor has no clothes. Well, the innocence of an honest child who didn't know anything about what he was supposed to see exposed the hypocrisy of an entire nation. In fact, he revealed the truth everyone else had been unwilling to admit, including the king. The emperor had no clothes. Well, thus far in our study through the first two chapters of Romans, the Apostle Paul has effectively revealed the nakedness of unbelievers. They're trying to cover the barrenness of their sinful hearts, but uh, no matter how people applaud them, no matter how sophisticated they try to appear, the blunt truth is this. They stand exposed before the holiness of the living God. Hebrews 4.13 puts it this way, No one is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, the eyes of God, to whom we must give account. Well, now in chapter 1, Paul exposed the guilt of the unbelieving, immoral person who ignored creation's grand witness to the existence and power of our designer God. In chapter 2, Paul exposed the nakedness of the moral person who ignored his God-given conscience. Paul also exposed the spiritual nakedness of religious Jews who were trying to wear the clothing of their own righteousness. But they too were shown for who they were, spiritually unclothed, as it were, exposed and without excuse. Now, all of this would have been terribly shocking to these Jewish people if any group felt they had the right to go to heaven. It was the descendants of Abraham, God's chosen people. Yet Paul, in effect, says to them here 
Your family relationship with, with Abraham doesn't automatically put you into the family of God. Well, now we come to Romans chapter 3, and, and, and Paul is continuing to address the self-righteous, religious Jewish people. He, he's anticipating their argument that they've got an advantage with God. So Paul brings their objection out in the open in order to answer it. And he says here in verse 1, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? What Paul is anticipating is Jewish religious uh, audience saying, look, we're following what God's law commanded. We're practicing circumcision. But Paul, you're telling us now there's no advantage to that, that it isn't going to make us acceptable to God. So if what you're saying is true, why did God give us this command? Why would we bother obeying his law if it doesn't you know, guarantee us a place in heaven? Besides that, to accept what Paul is, is saying is, is to acknowledge that there's no purpose behind their suffering as God's chosen people. They could look back at 400 years of slavery in Egypt, followed by 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They were eventually taken into captivity to foreign lands like Babylon and Assyria. Later, they came under the control of the Greek Empire. They, they suffered terribly. And now, as Paul is writing this letter, at this very moment, the Jewish people are being mistreated by the Roman Empire. No wonder they would, they would say to Paul, what, what good is it to be a, a Jew if our connection to Abraham and our obedience to the law, our sacrifices, uh, and our mistreatment at the hands of enemies, I mean, what good is that if, it, if that isn't going to get us into heaven? What's the purpose of going through all that? What advantage is there to being a Jew? We evidently, Paul, according to what you're saying, we don't have any security socially, politically, physically, or even spiritually. Now, let me tell you, the basic problem here in their thinking is that they don't understand the gospel. Getting into heaven is not a matter of what you've done. It's a matter of what Christ has done for you. It's, it's not who you descended from, what family tree you came from that matters. It's your relationship to Jesus Christ that matters. Now, Paul had asked what advantage there is to being a Jew, and based on everything he's just said, his Jewish readers would assume, well, there's no advantage at all. Instead, Paul surprises them. He gives them an answer they're not expecting here in verse 2. Much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. In other words, there are advantages. There are blessings related to being a part of the nation Israel. And Paul is now going to bring them forward. First, the Jewish people were entrusted with the oracles, that is, the very words of God. They were given the Holy Scriptures. And what are the Scriptures? They're nothing less than the written revelation of who God is, what God is like, what God has done, what God expects from us, what God is going to do. The Jewish nation was given this priceless, inspired, infallible record of God's uh, word in the Old Testament. It, it tells us our own purpose, who we are. It, it tells us where we came from. It tells us how we got lost, and most importantly, how we can be saved. What an incredible blessing 
the Jewish nation from Moses to the prophets and even the apostles has been honored by being entrusted with the revelation of God. And let me tell you, having learned the Hebrew language back back there in the days of seminary, I can assure you that the Hebrew scribes were incredibly careful in their stewardship of the Old Testament as they recorded and copied and preserved the scriptures. We owe an incredible debt to the Jewish nation for receiving and protecting this infallible, unchanging, eternal, inspired Word of God. Do you own a copy of the Bible? Do you use it as your manual for life? Or is it sitting under your car seat or on a shelf in the closet? Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 that the Bible is profitable for doctrine, uh, teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Doctrine tells you what is right. Reproof tells you where you're wrong. Correction helps you stand upright on what's correct. And, and training equips you to keep doing what's right. So uh, the question isn't whether you study the Bible or not. The question is how can you afford not to? Years ago, Robert Chapman pastored in England. He was a single man his entire life. He loved people. He faithfully led his small congregation. At the same time, Charles Spurgeon pastored nearby the large Metropolitan Tabernacle there in London. Spurgeon personally knew Robert Chapman. In fact, he called Chapman the godliest man he knew. Well, I want to close today by reading what Robert Chapman wrote about the privilege of having the Bible, not only for the Jewish people uh, of the first century that Paul is, is writing to here, but for every believer in, in any century leading up to the 21st century. Here's the privilege of having the Bible, Chapman writes. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, and the soldier's sword. It should fill the memory, test the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It involves the highest responsibility. It rewards the greatest labor, and it condemns all who will trifle with its sacred contents. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its great design, and the glory of God is its final conclusion. Great words about the privilege of having the Word of God. Well, until we set sail again in this book on our wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is The Wisdom Journey, and Stephen called today's lesson The Treasure of Scripture. Stephen Davey is the president of Wisdom International. He launched this ministry out of a desire to help you know what the Bible says 
understand what it means, and apply it to your life. As you think about today's lesson and the treasure of God's Word, we want to help you. We have resources designed to help you grow in the faith and in your appreciation of God and His Word. Stephen's collection of sermons and Bible lessons are posted online at wisdomonline.org. You can go there anytime to listen free and on demand. This teaching series, The Wisdom Journey, is also available in video, so you can watch these lessons online as well. Stephen also has a collection of books, articles, answers to Bible questions, a daily devotional, and more. All of those resources are available for you at wisdomonline.org. I encourage you to visit there and bookmark that page. I'm Scott Wiley, and for Stephen and the entire Wisdom team, I thank you for listening. We're glad to have you with us, and I hope you'll join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.